Hi there, loyal books to listeners and viewers. Don't adjust your television set or your radio because I am here, Lisa Kapala, sitting in Eileen McDougall's chair because this is her 100th show. And I have the extreme pleasure of interviewing her for her 100th show. How does it feel sitting over there in the guest chair? I'm, I'm, there's something wrong. There's yeah. something wrong. Like you should be here and I should be there. I'm so excited about this, Lisa. To make it to 100 is like, yeah. is miraculous. Amazing. So take us back. We'll do a little bit of the history of the show and then we'll talk about the nuts and bolts of how you actually do the show. 100 episodes is a lot. When did you first begin with WCTV? Well, um, you know, I have a background in cable television. I. Uh, I went to college for television production and I interned at cable TV in Woburn, which is actually where I met my husband. So that's another good thing that came out of it. And then, you know, I left the field, did other things, and I've always been a very, very avaricious reader, devour books, fastest reader I know, and that's not a brag, that's the truth. And um, through my association with the library and the friends of the library, I was invited to do book talks at the library every quarter, which I really enjoyed because there's nothing I like more other than reading than telling people what they should be reading because everyone's entitled to my personal book opinion. So uh, when we had the book talk and Sandra Curtin, who was a former um, man, you know, executive director of right. WCTV, the late Sandra Curtin, um, approached me and said, you know, you really you do such a nice job with the book talks, why don't you put one on cable TV? And the light bulb went on. I said, oh, yeah, that would, that would be fun. And since I was already comfortable on camera for having worked in local production before, and since I live around the corner, it made perfect sense. And so we launched in October of 2013, and my first guest was my mother. Wow. <laughs> now, the name Book Stew, I happen to know the origin of that, but let's talk about that. I think your daughter played a part in that, right? My daughter is really great at thinking up names and nicknames for things. It's a family trait. And we were, I think, riding in the car, and I was going, I don't want to call it books or book talk, and a friend of mine said, just call it books, books, books. I'm like, mm. And Julia, my daughter, came up with Book Stew, and I said, oh, that's such a great idea because that kind of encourages me to not just talk about what I love to read, but maybe reach out further than my own boundaries. Right. So it's a stew, it's a melange of yes. everything. And I think the term stew, kind of warm, yeah, there home, you go. chock full of everything, and that's kind of what your show has been. You've covered poets, fiction, nonfiction, you've done some field work, Really, you've done the gamut, but you've got a whole bunch more shows to go. Yes, I'm yeah. not, um, not stopping anytime soon that I can think of. Um, it, life in the book world has really evolved since 2013. Right. Now I actually get books sent to me by publicists, which never happened before. And so I've been able to have authors who are nationally known mm. on the show, which is just thrilling, but I also very much believe in promoting local authors, right. which you know you do with right. with your Wilmington Writes right. show. You can't can't give enough publicity to a writer. So clearly the word is out that you exist. Yep. Now, how did you go about getting your guests? I don't consider you a shy person, but you might be <laughs> about act, asking for that. How did you decide, other than your mom being the first one? Because I think as a host, that's the hardest thing, really. Each show you do, it's sort of your baby for that show. 
but you're thinking what's next. And so how did you formulate who was going to be next and how did you get them to say yes? Well, um, I was working for a book publicist um, and one of, I had read a book by an author named Alden Jones that, I re that was called Unaccompanied Minors. She is local. And I loved the book and coincidentally our publicity agency was hired to promote the book. Hmm. And, I, and my boss at the time said, would you like to have Alden on your show? And I said, oh sure, I'd love to. Because I think it was nine or ten episodes before I even had an author on because I had local men who read, because you know, most men just read sports, war, history, that's the extent, fishing maybe, that's the extent of their interest in books. And so I wanted to bring on some local men who, who, you know, who read outside the norm. I had three men who read on the show. And then finally, it struck me that I had not had an author on yet, which is very silly. Right. So Alden was my first guest, and she was wonderful. And through the um, learning the book publicity business, which I did for two years, I was able to find out about lots of publicists, lots of publishing houses. Plus, because of the internet, because of blogging, because of everything that came about, I became not shy or reluctant to reach out to an author. So if I loved a book, and this has happened in so many episodes, I happened to read a book or it was recommended or I saw it in the New York Sunday Times book review, whatever, I read it, I loved it, and if they weren't like James Patterson, who I'm not interested in anyway, I could just like reach out through their publicist or just send them an email or at this point Twitter and say I have this show, here's a sample, I'd love to have you on, it's a half an hour, it's a monthly show. And some authors have come on not, I don't think because of necessarily of the publicity, but because you know I, I was so obviously a fangirl, <laughs> I think they were thrilled to get a fan letter, especially if they weren't that well known yet. Right. So, you know, so I, and, but again, I like to stick to the local angle too. So I like the mix right. of both. And so you represent what WCTV considers the model of what a member should be. Oh. Not just because you're a great person, but because you do all the work. So you're a member, but you also do all of the pre-production yourself. You have a say in how your slides, like this beautiful one that Ashley made for you, are constructed, you're open, all of those things, and then you do all the editing too. And that was that was interesting how that came about. I was so lucky to have um, Steve Valenti, who worked here at the time, who was the most patient trainer, and he, you know, sat with me until I could get it right. And I'm still not a great editor. I mean, there are people here like Tom Pizarro who are absolute ins inspirational as far as editing goes. But I can do it enough now to incorporate music if I need it, right. to put in bits of film if I need it. So I think um, it's, I'm an okay editor, but I love pulling graphics from all over the place and throwing them into the episode. A lot of times I'll ask authors for like childhood photographs or something that would enhance how we see them and right. help us see where they come from. Makes the show better too. Yeah. Do you think being the editor of your own production helps you be a better host? Uh, probably because as soon as I finish, and it's not going on while I'm talking to the author or the person because I really want to be 
in the now with them. But as soon as it's finished, the episode's finished, my wheels are spinning and going, okay, like I'll give you an example. Joe Claponis, who was uh, my last guest, who was an uh, English teacher at Wilmington High School, my daughter had him. He came out with a book of poetry, and one of the poems was about a quarry, specifically the Quincy quarries where he grew up, which were notorious for mobsters dropping bodies and cars there, but also for just being so beautifully scenic. And so I was able to go online and find amazing pictures of teenagers jumping into the quarries. And I thought, you know, to, to put that on and to show the background, if you don't live here, you have no idea. And if you've, and there are people who've never seen a quarry in their life. So to put the graphics in just makes it more, makes the words of the poem more vivid. Right, it makes the show more watchable too. Right. Which obviously is the whole point. You wouldn't be doing it if you didn't want people to watch it. Right. And you know, I mean, there is some self-satisfaction in the process, but the whole idea is to share right. the ideas. And also, if I'm going to, you know, contact an author who's somewhat nationally known, I don't want, I don't want them to be embarrassed. I want them to, to promote, when I send them the links to the podcast and the episode, I want them to share them all over the place on social media. I want them to be proud. And mostly, I want them to say, that was fun and I'll come back. And I have never had an author who came out with a second or third book who didn't join me for the next and the next. And in fact, um, this year, I'll be featuring my fifth episode with Lamar Giles, who is an author of YA, who I love and who I've actually met in person. And he's been on the show, it'll be five times this wow. year for five different books. So when you started, Zoom didn't exist, or if it did, we didn't know about it at the time. How has the advancements of technology affected the way you do your show? Well, before there was Zoom, there was Skype. And before there was Skype, there was, you got to be in the studio. And because of um, Brian Jocelyn and Bill Roberts, who were here before, they were willing to take a leap of faith and say, let's try Skype. And so now I was able to reach out to authors and not either drag them to Wilmington or not worry that they weren't close by. And so that Skype really opened up a tremendous world to me. Skype meant I could go all over the world, and I did because I had an author, Barney Hoskins, who I had reached out just in a fangirl way because he had written a book about Steely Dan, and I love Steely Dan. And we did the episode, and he was in London, and I was here. And that was probably the mo one of the most thrilling Skype moments. And then Zoom came along. Right. And recently, um, I did a Zoom with two authors who wrote about Trinidad. And one of my authors, Celeste, was in Trinidad, and the other author, Lauren, was in the United States. And everything technically was perfect and beautiful. It was so exciting. It's different, though, doing a Zoom or a Skype. You're looking at the camera as you're talking to them. They're not there, so you can't get that personal feeling that you might like. Well, but we, that's a little trade-off to get the information. Yeah, you know? and, you know, most of the time I try to um, start a little bit early, and I'll, they'll be on Zoom or Skype, and I'll be chatting with them, and then I hear Adam in the control room going, can we start? Right. Because, you know, we start talking, and the time right. is going on. So I try to get to know them. Um, a little bit beforehand, and also we've been usually corresponding, or I've been corresponding with their agents or their publicists right. ahead of time. So, I, and I've been reading everything I can find online about them, and I read their books and I look right. at their websites. And, and I'm sure most of the time they're flattered 
that they've been invited to well, some degree. Maybe not all of them. I, I don't know. I mean, the ones who come to me through a publicist, I'm sure the publicist is like, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. But during COVID, they were very grateful. And I know all of them missed touring for their books, right. going to libraries, going to bookstores. But I was joking around with one author and I said, okay, you know, yes, you can't go out and do personal appearances, but then you don't have to deal with that one weird guy who sits in the front row and always has like a weird raincoat on and always has a big briefcase and always asks, so do you write in pen or pencil? I mean, there's always- Right, arms folded, that you know, you know the type. And yes. you know, I know that whenever they went in a bookstore or a library, <laughs> they were on the lookout yeah. for that guy. So when you do Skype and Zoom, or when you're in person with me in the studio, right. you don't there's have to worry that, about that good. stuff. I also think that obviously affected the book industry's bottom line. Not being able to tour means you don't sell books. Well, so. except, you know, there's now this thing called Book Talk, which is part of TikTok, which is apparently this raving success. So it's not even, there's BookTube, which YouTube has. So I think, um, look, at, look at what just happened with the book Mouse, which was uh, taken off, taken out of libraries, I think, in Tennessee. So Mouse is a graphic novel. It's been around for quite a long time. It's a wonderful book. And because it was taken off library shelves, everyone in the world is reading it. So, you know, there are, there are repercussions. No such thing everything. as bad press. Right. Right? Right. Okay. Now, I know you've done some field work, too, and I'd like to talk about your visit to the prison library. Oh, okay. Because I think that was amazing that you did that. Well, that that really, I don't even remember I mean, how that, was that early came on about. It was a very early career. show, maybe in the first 10. Yeah. Um, I guess I heard about the prison book program, which is a program out of Quincy where um, books are mailed to people who are incarcerated for free. And I heard about it and I said, this is a fantastic program. So I went and I did uh, two episodes there at the actual program site, which is in a church in Quincy. And the church is the Church of the Presidents because John Quincy Adams, the Adamses, both those presidents and their wives have crypts in the church, which they don't tell it when you go wow. on a tour they'll take you there but they take you at the very end and you're like whoa you're sitting in like the crypt and looking at the mausoleum mm. and, and what everything. an interesting juxtaposition it of it was. being a prison and that as well you and know? so that was i think in 2014 and i the group was so fantastic that i joined as a volunteer and through our library's bookstore next door i'm able to take excess contributions and especially dictionaries mm. and bring them to prison book program and they go out to incarcerated people who ask for dictionaries thesauruses and and almanacs that's the, always their their biggest request you weren't scared to go oh i wasn't in prison per se i was at the prison Close enough mm, i was at the prison book program site which is in quincy but um we correspond with incarcerated people who send us requests for books and you have to be a little bit cautious in that um, we like to write a, an encouraging note like we'll say hope you enjoy this book more because we're going into the bookstore that the prison book program supports they have their own little bookstore and we're choosing books based on what the prisoners are asking for right so we always want to encourage them to ask for more to share the books on their tier with their cellies their cellmates but you know you can't really get too intimate because and also the prisons have insane laws about what books prisoners can receive what they can't 
Um, it's very restrictive, but there are prison book programs all over the country. So, you know, I hope people will check it out and see if they can help out. Okay. How do you decide, other than something that you enjoy reading, who are your guests going to be? How do you formulate that? Uh, well, I'd say that probably 60 to 70% is what I'm interested in, what I've read um, or what I'm going to read, because I won't read the book. I'll read the book only a week before the show because I don't want to forget how, my, how the book made me feel and right. the questions that I want to ask. So, that, so it, let's say 60% is what I read and loved, 20% uh, is publicists, and the rest is me reading about a book and saying, hmm, that this might sounds be like it would fit. be a good author. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the local authors who, as soon as I hear about a local author, um, we've had two writers, local writers groups on the show, the Wilmington Writers Group out of the library and the Gloucester Finish Line Writers Group because my best friend who wrote um, a graphic novel is part of that writer's group. So having writer's groups on is a lot of fun and I've met a lot of authors that way too. Okay. Do you have any rituals that you do before <laughs> you come in for a show or ways that you prepare? When I'm going to do Where's Wilmington, I generally practice my open and close. Those are the hardest parts for me. I'm not worried about the middle. It's the beginning that usually gets me and then the end. So is there anything you do to really kind of get yourself in the mood? And I also want to talk about your wardrobe too. Okay. Well, the older I get, the less I can remember stuff. So I used to just go in cold, or I'd put like little sticky notes in the book and either I'd do a brief reading or I'd ask the author to do a brief reading. Now, um, with the brain deterioration that comes with aging, I can't remember everything. So now I take notes and I write them in really big letters because I don't want to wear my reading glasses too much on camera. So I'll, I'll put some bullet points in, things I specifically want to ask them about, characters, setting, right whatever. So now I do that. But before I would just go in and I'd let, I want to let the show ride on the feeling mm -hmm. I have for the book because if, if that enthusiasm can catch fire, then right. I've, you know, accomplished my goal. Right. And I think it makes it organic and more natural, more, less stilted maybe than let me look and what do I ask and I've you had, next? I've you had know? publicists say, can you please send me a list of questions? You're going to be asking the author. And I'm like, yeah. no, sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's right. really more of a conversation. I generally do that too. I might give bulleted points, basic areas that we want to go or not go sometimes. But I think it's better if you actually just let it kind of flow. And you're doing the editing. So if something goes amiss, right. you Sometimes can I'll ask, is there anything you don't want to talk about? But right. not very often because I'm, you know, I have no plans to like really delve into their personal life unless it's something that's directly related mm -hmm. to the book. Well, I mean, and you don't always ask how much the book costs. Oh, I know. Right, because they never want to talk about right. And pricing, I just assume you know? that if I if I loved it and you enjoyed listening to the author, you're going to run to the library or to the bookstore and you just or right. to Kindle and, and you're right. going to get the book. Right. Tell us about your wardrobe choices. Okay. Because so this is what maybe some of you <laughs> don't think about at home, but I think about it and I know you do too. We try not to repeat our outfits, but you've got a pretty clever way that you've <laughs> solved that problem. Well, from the get-go, you took me in hand and you said, okay, you know what? I think you should wear bright colors, this is what works for you. You also help me with not going, uh, 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 Verbal pausing, we like to call that. You're like my mentor here. Oh, thank you very and much. And I decided early on that I did not want to wear the same blouse twice because I figured 
somewhere and mentally there's this person sitting in Wilmington, maybe she's a shut-in or something, and she goes, oh my God, she wore that two episodes ago. I don't want to hear that. So there's a store in town called Savers, which is like a thrift store, but maybe like a notch up, like it doesn't smell like a thrift store right. when you go in. And I peruse the racks, and I'll usually buy like five or six blouses at a time, and it'll account for summer or fall. And I put them in my closet, I line them up, I wear them for the show. If I like them, I keep them. If I wasn't real thrilled with them, I wash them and they go back to Savers. So nice. I have a very wonderful relationship that's with a savers. lovely system <laughs> i like that it seems to work for you but i mean bright colors that's a no-brainer because you know the the lighting can wash you out a little bit how did you feel the first time you saw your first couple of episodes Ugh, right oh my god i know i'm not the clothes just the do like what's wrong with my hair or you know every i i can remember saying to adam one time when um when they were setting up for a show and i could see that he was doing a close-up and I was like Adam come on I'm in my 60s back that thing up right. so I mean I have had to I mean luckily I haven't smeared Vaseline on the right. lens we yet. need the, the Sybil Shepherd lighting from Moonlighting right. you know, they used to do that's the soft the, focus that's the next step or yeah. like you know I'll superimpose yeah well that'd be that would be like after dark books do <laughs> type of thing you know real low lighting yeah. yeah there's certainly no such thing as right. low lighting in books but we are so sure. self-critical I think every yeah. I think mostly everybody is but especially when you're on television but for me it's the loving of the doingness of it yeah. if that's even such a word because I think afterwards don't you feel kind of I'm Jeeped pumped up? I'm yes. absolutely pumped but on the way here I was telling you uh, earlier so I have a very short drive here, maybe about three minutes. And I get in the car, and w whenever it's right before a show, the morning of a show, and I get in the car to come here, in the car I have like a momentary panic. It's always very short, and it only lasts from the time I, t I put the key in, in the car until I get here. What am I doing? What am I doing? What's going to happen? What I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And it reminded me, we were talking about Holly Hunter and broadcast yes. news, how she had to cry, you know, once a day just to release the tension. And then I come in and, you know, everyone's wonderful here and I'm, you know, looking at my guest on the camera sitting there and it all just, it all just fades away because it's all just mm -hmm. fun. It's fun. Yes. And you're always well prepared too. You, you know, you don't come in I cold. You've be. already read, have you ever had an author on that you didn't read? No. So you're always well prepared, which I think is part of it. And I think using that anxiety as excitement forwards you. It propels you to move forward. Well, it amazes me that there are interviewers who uh, maybe they've read one, like the publicist says, here, read these 10 pages and that'll give you a flavor for the book and they don't read the book. How can you talk about a book if you haven't read it? I just think that's... And I would bet the author gets a sense of that. And so that's going to cause a, a little bit of tension or or friction, I think. You can feel that. Especially when if they're know. interviewing with multiple people right. and they get asked the same questions based on the same 10 pages. I, you know, uh, then they start phoning it in. I've really never felt like I had anyone who phoned it in. Mm. Everyone was who was here was either curious, mm. you know, the most negative thing would be curious, not sure of how it was going to go, but the most positive is, wow, I think this is, this is going to be fun. I'd mm -hmm. love to talk about my book and you know, she seems like an enjoyable person. Right, I mean, it's a win-win. You're, you're, right. you're actually doing them a favor, really. But I'm know? doing me a favor because I'm getting to read all these books. True, true. 
Have you ever had guests that were challenging? I, you've done this a hundred times today. So have you ever had any moments where you thought, wow, this well, is I, tough? I had my most intimidating guest, and I'm sure I can say it because he probably has never watched another show other than the one he was on, if he even watched that, is Andrew Basevich, mm. who is um, a historian, an ex-military uh, general, um, he, I met him through a, a show of veterans art in Gloucester, and I sent him an email. He lives in, in the Boston area. I sent him an email and asked if he'd like to be in the show. I had to pursue him a lot to get him to finally agree to come on. And then I see him and I'm like, I felt like saluting. I'm like, oh my God, he's so smart. He's written a bunch of books. He's just a genius. And I was petrified, but I, you know, I kind of, I worked my way through it and that show actually won an award for local production. You just never know, do you? No. Really. Any guests that you felt, what a great get that I got this guest? Most of them I feel that way, but especially I have to shout out to Lamar Giles, who's been on five times, and right. also um, Disha Filiaw, who wrote The Secret Life of Church Ladies, which was mm -hmm. a book of short stories that I loved. I reached out to her. Um, she responded. She was on, I think, January of 2019 or 2020. And the month afterwards, she won all these amazing literary awards, the Story Award, the This Award, the That Award. It was just incredible. Mm. And um, so I feel like, and I was also able to get her publisher to donate 75 of her books to Prison Book Program, which is also wow. wonderful. So I guess right. I feel like, you know, when I see anything that with Disha in it, I feel like, oh, that's my Disha. And you know her. <laughs> Do you watch television differently now that you're a host? I don't, you know, I don't watch TV at all. I'm, I'm not lying. I just don't. I, I keep it on as background noise when I'm doing emails okay. and, and looking at Facebook and Twitter. I don't watch TV except my mother said, let's watch this Gilded Age miniseries on the, together. I'm like, okay she's in Florida and mm -hmm. I'm here but other than that honestly I don't even I only watch my own show to do the editing right after it's done I never look at it again so. interesting have you ever thought about writing yourself I know you write a column for the town um, Any book? I, I write book reviews weekly for the Wilmington Town Crier mm -hmm. um, I have written uh, I took a, a 10 minute play uh, class and I submitted um, the play that I wrote to two different groups that were looking for plays and I have not had any accepted yet So I think if I were to write anything mm. it would be a play a short play I Well, think. just think about it. You could interview yourself. We can put you <laughs> here and put you there anything final I can't believe how fast this went by I, I could know. sit and talk to you for hours more So happy for you on your hundredth show. It's really quite a milestone and you've done it all from the beginning to the end. Some of us, I started out just as a volunteer, but you're doing it all. You're doing all the editing, all of it. So it's quite an accomplishment. Well, I, could, yeah. I have to say I could not have obviously done it without WCTV, but um, every single person who has ever been here has helped me in major and minor ways. Just being here, seeing the same friendly faces, being encouraged, being able to try new technology right. like Skype and Zoom and green screen. Um, so my big thanks to everyone who's been at WCTV from 2013 through 2022. Um, you have made it possible for me to do this. Wonderful. What's next for you and Books Do? And then we'll wrap it up. 
Um, I booked actually through September of 2022 with authors, and I have a few that I'm pursuing that are, are proving a little bit hard to get, but I'll keep working on them. And uh, as long as people are writing, I'll keep the show going. Wonderful. Well, we're glad you're doing it. It's great to have you as my guest on your show. Thank you. So Lisa. I'm going to guess you want your seat back now. Yes, that sounds good. All Thank right. You. So I'm going to hop up from my chair. Thank you so much for watching the hundredth episode, a hundred episodes of Book Stew. When we come back, Eileen's going to jump in the seat, and she has some words of wisdom to impart to you. So stay right there. Hello, Book Stew viewers and listeners. I'm back. Isn't Lisa the coolest? That was so much fun. I can't believe how much I enjoyed being interviewed. What a strange thing. So I just wanted to put in a special thanks to all the writers who have been on the show. Um, I know that you, most of you took a chance with someone you've never heard of in some small local studio in Wilmington, Mass that you've never heard of. Um, and this has really been a gift to me because as I said earlier, Everyone is entitled to my own personal opinion about what they should be reading. And I hope you've grabbed some of the books along the way and enjoyed them and have shared them with friends. And I just want to thank loyal viewers and listeners who tune in, send me comments, especially my Aunt Carol, my biggest fan. And um, I look forward to my next 100 shows. And I wanted to show you these beautiful bookends that the WCTV staff uh, just gifted me with, so I'm kind of a little verklempt, and a cake, which is even just as good. So um, thanks for watching the, hopefully, some of the hundred shows, and have a good evening.